Hello, and welcome to the Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, or Mid-East Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. When Turkish Vice President Fuat Oktay and Foreign Minister Mevlu Çavuşoğlu became this weekend the first high-level foreign government delegation to travel to Christchurch, they were doing more than expressing solidarity with New Zealand's grieving Muslim community. Messrs. Oktay and Çavuşoğlu were planting Turkey's flag far and wide in a global effort to expand beyond the Turkic and former Ottoman world support for President Recep Tayyip Erdogan's style of religiously packaged authoritarian rule, a marriage of Islam and Turkish nationalism. Their visit, two days after a white supremacist kills 49 people in attacks on two mosques in Christchurch, is one more facet of a Turkish campaign that employs religious as well as traditional diplomatic tools. The campaign aims to establish Turkey as a leader of the Muslim world in competition with Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, and to a lesser degree, Morocco. As part of the campaign, Turkey has positioned itself as a cheerleader for Muslim causes, such as Jerusalem and the Rohingya, at a moment that Saudi Arabia, the UAE, and other Muslim nations are taking a step back. Although cautious not to rupture relations with Beijing, Turkey has also breached the wall of silence maintained by the vast majority of Muslim countries by speaking out against China's brutal crackdown on Turkic Muslims in the troubled northwestern province of Xinjiang. Mr. Erdogan's religious and traditional diplomatic effort has seen Turkey build grand mosques and or cultural centers across the globe in the United States, the Caribbean, Europe, Africa, and Asia, finance religious education, and restore Ottoman heritage sites. It has pressured governments in Africa and Asia to hand over schools operated by the Hizmet movement, led by exiled preacher Fethullah Gülen. Mr. Erdogan holds Mr. Gülen responsible for the failed military coup in Turkey in 2016. On the diplomatic front, Turkey has in recent years opened at least 26 embassies in Africa, expanded the Turkish Airlines network to 55 destinations in Africa, established military bases in Somalia and Qatar, and negotiated a long-term lease for Sudan's Suakin Island in the Red Sea. The Turkish religious campaign takes a leaf out of Saudi Arabia's four-decade-long $100 billion effort to globally propagate ultra-conservative Sunni Islam. Like the Saudis, Turkey's Directorate of Religious Affairs, or Diyanet, provides services to Muslim communities, organizes pilgrimages to Mecca, trains religious personnel, publishes religious literature, translates the Quran into local languages, and funds students from across the world to study Islam at Turkish institutions. Turkish Muslim NGOs provide humanitarian assistance in 
former parts of the Ottoman Empire, the Middle East, and Africa, much like the Saudi-led World Muslim League and other Saudi governmental, non-governmental organizations, many of which have been shut down since the 9-11 attacks on New York and Washington. Saudi Arabia, since the rise of Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman in 2015, has significantly reduced global funding for ultra-conservatism. Nonetheless, Turkey at loggerheads with Saudi Arabia as well as the UAE over the killing of journalist Jamal Khashoggi, Turkish support for Qatar in its dispute with the Saudis and Emiratis, differences over Libya, Syria, and the Kurds, and Ankara's activist foreign policy is seeking to position itself as an Islamic alternative. Decades of Saudi funding has left the kingdom's imprint on the global Muslim community. Yet Turkey's current struggles with Saudi Arabia are more geopolitical than ideological. While Turkey competes geopolitically with the UAE in the Horn of Africa, Libya, and Syria, ideologically, the two countries' rivalry is between the UAE's effort to establish itself as a center of a quietist, apolitical Islam, as opposed to Turkey's activist approach and its support for the Muslim Brotherhood. In contrast to Saudi Arabia, that adheres to Wahhabism, an austere, ultra-conservative interpretation of the faith. The UAE projects itself and its religiosity as far more modern, tolerant, and forward-looking. The UAE's projection goes beyond Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's attempt to shave off the raw edges of Wahhabism in an attempt to present himself as a proponent of what he has termed moderate Islam. The UAE scored a significant success with the first ever papal visit in February by Pope Francis I, during which he signed a document on human fraternity with Sheikh Ahmed al-Tayyib, the Grand Imam of Egypt al-Azhar, the revered 1,000-year-old seat of Sunni Muslim learning. The signing was the result of UAE-funded efforts of Egyptian-turned-General-turned-President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi to depoliticize Islam and gain control of al-Azhar, that Sheikh al-Tayyib despite supporting Mr. al-Sisi's 2013 military coup, has resisted. To enhance its influence within al-Azhar and counter that of Saudi Arabia, the UAE has funded Egyptian universities and hospitals and has encouraged al-Azhar to open a branch in the UAE. The UAE effort paid off when the Pope, in a public address, thanked Egyptian Judge Mohammed Abdel Salam an advisor to Sheikh Al-Tayyib, who is believed to be close to both the Emiratis and Mr. Al-Sisi for drafting the declaration. Abdul Salam enabled Al-Sisi to outmaneuver Al-Azhar in the struggle for reform, said an influential activist. The Turkey-UAE rivalry has spilled from the geopolitical and ideological into competing versions of Islamic history. Turkey last year renamed the street on which the UAE embassy in Ankara is located after an Ottoman general that was at the center of a Twitter spat 
between Mr. Erdogan and UAE Foreign Minister Abdullah bin Zayed al-Nahyan. Mr. Erdogan responded angrily to the tweet that accused Fakhreddin Pasha, who defended the holy city of Medina against the British in the early 20th century, of abusing the local Arab population and stealing their property as well as sacred records of the Prophet Muhammad's tomb. The tweet described the general as one of Erdogan's ancestors. When my ancestors were defending Medina, you impudent man, where were yours? Some impertinent man sinks low and goes as far as accusing our ancestors of thievery. What spoiled this man? He was spoiled by oil, by the money he has, Mr. Erdogan retorted, referring to Mr. Al-Nakhyan. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer at MideEastSoccer.blogspot.com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best.